This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Yesterday during this podcast recording a stat about water crisis was discussed. The panel spoke about how 21 major Indian cities are expected to run out of groundwater by 2020. Turns out this is a zombie statistic. Joanna Slatter, Washington Post's Indian bureau chief has explained the stat and what one means by zombie statistics on Twitter. We've included the link in the description below. Do check it out. Hello and welcome to News Laundry Hafta. I'm Abhinandan Sekri and with me on the panel today is Manisha Pandey, Anand Vardhan, Madhu Trehan and we have a guest who I shall introduce in a bit but first Manisha let's give the headlines. Yes. Disturbing news coming in from Jharkhand a man was beaten by a mob for hours he was forced to chant Jai Shri Ram his name is Tabrez Ansari he was accused of stealing a motorcycle and then a mob took over beaten for 7 hours taken into police custody taken to the hospital where his family alleges that he was brought dead uh, this uh, garnered quite a lot of headlines this week you had the union minister Mukhtar Abbas Naqvi who said that slogans like Jai Shri Ram can be chanted by embracing people not by throttling them the pm also responded to this lynching he said that it's pains him it's very unfair but also that we should not insult the entire state of jharkhand this Which comment i don't know who was doing that but anyway yeah hmm. his comment came soon after rahul gandhi uh, uh, said that he's shocked by the silence of powerful voices in the bjp and there've been a spate of such incidents being reported there was one in kolkata where a muslim man has alleged that he was pushed off a train for not chanting jai shri ram I think there's been an arrest in this case in another case in Assam a fringe group that calls themselves Ram Sainiks of Barpeta district they forced some 11 young muslim men to chant Jai Shri Ram again someone's been arrested in this but these are the cases that have come from this week alone then there was a chennai water crisis which we will go into some detail yeah. and there is the impending yeah. danger of it reaching other cities leonardo yeah. dicaprio tweeted on it so that I think, was exciting i think leonardo dicaprio's instagram post got more stories on this than the crisis itself but it's quite terrible apparently four reservoirs have completely dried out there and everyone's dependent on tankers hotels and restaurants have shut um the triple talaq bill was introduced in lok sabha this is the first bill that this government has uh, tabled it's the muslim women's protection of rights and marriages bill uh, there's been opposition to it of course from uh, asaduddin owaisi who has been opposing it for quite a while he said that where is the bjp's love for hindu women why don't they want to allow them to sabrimala temple and of course uh, shashi tharoor also uh, raised an objection to it also the biggest problem with this is that it takes something that was till now yeah. a civil offense yeah, into the criminal space they're mixing civil and criminal offenses so yeah Uh, Mayawati has finally ended her alliance with SP and she said that she will fight all big and small elections on her own. Um in a very curious case in Srinagar an editor of an Urdu newspaper Gulam Jilani Kadri has been arrested after 26 years of in a 27 year old case. Uh he was uh, accused of distributing press releases issued by militants in 92 and the police woke up the supreme court uh, the local court there wrapped the police and said what took you so yeah, long ji ban gaye home minister ab koi panga nahi reh sakta then there were the encephalitis deaths in muzaffarpur that got some press we sent a journalist our very own ayush on ground he is still there because this is something that should be reported from the ground and since it's not too far we can afford it so we have and india rejects the critical us religious freedom report The US State Department's International Religious Freedom Report said that some the the religious freedom situation in India is not so great so the BJP didn't like that so just as Mike Pompeo is wish, visiting and he's hugging Mr Modi and saying that we are great friends 
just last week we had dismissed this report then the rbi gov- deputy governor viral acharya how do you pronounce this yeah viral acharya viral viral biani you don't follow him on instagram he's the best paparazzi he has all the pictures of of everyone's birthday parties karina kapoor's viral biani ha viral biani he's a sensation yeah, yeah, i follow him <laughs> okay fine malika arora he knows all the latest affairs also Oh, and nice. Okay. And so, but that's on the viral. We're talking about viral Acharya, who does something similar in the RBI. <laughs> uh, he only puts Bapu's photographs on every note. Uh, he he quit, uh, citing personal unavoidable reasons. It's no surprise he had disagreed with the government earlier, and uh, many had expected that he will go a lot earlier. But he's gone now. Then there were Lok Sabha speeches. Mr. Modi. Uh, Ms. Moitra from the Trinamool, Mr. Sarangi from the BJP, and Mr. Burke from the Samajwadi Party. We shall ask the panel what they thought of all these parliamentary speeches. Then there was no ba- the bail has been denied for BJP's Kailash Vijayvargi's son, that Akshay, whatever his name is. Then the NRC in Assam has added another lakh and quarter people from the already four million that they had. Meanwhile, one woman who had been a detention for the last three years. was just let go because it was a case of mistaken identity this national registry for citizens is not doing anyone any favors then rahul gandhi tweeted something on yoga day which got everybody very angry the chief justice has written to the prime minister for the removal of a high court judge i don't think that's going anywhere in a hurry and then gurmeet ram rahim singh seeks parole after only one year for murder rape charges and the jail superintendent and the jail minister of haryana said that he has a right he has behaved well it's his first it's, it's his only crime first crime so i guess matlab if it's your first murder and first rape you can get parole after year i'm guessing if especially if the government is so for those of you who are wondering why they're so soft on him gurmeet ram rahim singh still has been has a lot of nutters who follow him in haryana and those of you who think my god how can a man as vile as him have so many followers and haryana goes to elections also so that yeah. is why so haryana elections, elections are yeah. coming so all these people who they'll vote for will depend on what guruji and his hairy shoulders say <laughs> to his followers then they we might get a national mustache i'll tell you a little more about <laughs> that later but first let's get to know our guest So joining us on the hafta today is Salil Tripathi. Uh Salil is a journalist and an author. He's based out of London. He's a contributing editor at Mint and Caravan. He writes on politics, economics, human rights and he is the chairperson of the Pen International Writers in Prison Committee. What is that Salil the Writers in Prison yeah. Committee? Yeah, so Pen is one of the oldest human rights organizations in the world which fights for freedom to read and freedom to write. And what the Writers in Prison Committee does is to campaign and advocate for the release of writers or publishers who might be in jail uh, or even writers or others connected with publishing who might be facing threat and to make sure they are no longer at risk i see okay and you're also a senior visiting fellow you've been a senior visiting fellow at the kennedy school at that was a while ago that was a while ago a while yeah. ago i see so you have a long illustrious career you've you've written for the new york times wapo and your books are the yep. colonel who would not repent the bangladesh war and its unquiet legacy detours songs of the open road and your first book was offense the hindu case right that's right yeah yeah so when did you write offense the hindu case uh, well it so happens that this saturday is the 10th anniversary of the book yeah and this 
spoke about the rise of Hindu nationalism. So, do you think you should do a like update of it? <laughs> yeah, ten years ago. Well, I I would like to. I mean, that would be a good idea. It would be a much bigger book. It was a very short book at that time, about hundred and ten pages or so. Uh, but given the way Indian politics has turned out in the last few years, it would have to be at least twice as long, if not thrice as long. Yeah. I see. So, uh, I'd like to start with. Um, the speeches in parliament and we let uh, salil go first but salil did you see the speeches in parliament in the first week after the new parliament took over uh, well only glimpses of it to be honest i didn't see many of them but i did see mohan mitra and uh, i read about the prime minister's response yeah so uh, what do you think i, I, I mean and note were these speeches i'll just give you a few others that that did find mention in the news space in front pages or even inside there was of course the prime minister's speech then there was mahua moitra speech which has got much attention and there was also the speech of mr buck bark in fact uh, the, it's it's basically he's a samajwadi party mp his full name is shafiqur rahman bark and he actually uh, said uh, the following constitution of india zindabad aur jahan tak dekhiye vande matram ka taluq hai ंगीचारंगीचु Don't deserve to live here if you can't. Yeah, he said that. Do you, do you really do deserve, you deserve to, live to live in India <laughs> if you don't say Vande Mataram? I'm surprised he's an MP. If he's so illiterate, he doesn't know that. Yes, you do. I mean, that that doesn't cancel your Indian citizenship. But anyway, so yeah, yeah those are the speeches that made news. I'd like to know your your views and should they have been covered in more detail? Uh, well, I think these speeches have a ceremonial um, aspect to it, but I think I'm glad they were covered the way they did and the ones that you highlighted. clearly show the polarization today in india that you know there are people who equate patriotism and nationalism with certain slogans and certain um, ideas which are divisive now you can argue that they need not be divisive i mean you could argue that vande matram has a place in indian literature uh, anand mat had a particular resonance at a particular time so yes uh, i mean it's not uh, it's not it's not a slogan that was um, anti-national to use the phrase currently in vogue so to that extent it may but the very fact that it's used sends certain messages and signals to a large part of indians large number of indians should mean that at least you know you may have the right to say it but sometimes you know it's also a question of whether it makes sense to say it and forcing anybody to do anything is wrong you know just as forcing anybody to eat beef is wrong forcing anybody not to eat beef is wrong and that the same way forcing anybody to stand up for national anthem is wrong and forcing anybody to say burn the flag and you know don't uh, don't uh, defend india or protect that's also wrong i mean ultimately this tries to take people's agency away from them so all of these are troublesome things my my worry is a slightly broader one that we have become uh, so immune to this kind of bullying now that it almost seems as though people think that oh this has happened you know it's a bit like the you know recent jharkhand um, lynching of lynching mm. where you know people's response has been that these kinds of things keep happening i mean it 
keeps happening because after Akhlaq happened and Pehlu Khan happened, obviously, you know, the right uh, messages didn't go out. The government took forever to prosecute. Um, the Prime Minister took forever to, you know, um, make his views known about what he thought about it. And therefore, uh, people think it's fine. It's all right. It's become the new norm. And I think this kind of vilification of someone who doesn't speak a particular, say out a particular slogan or who doesn't... Uh, act in ways that a few people think the way is the way others should act um, is problematic. And that's where right. that's where India is. I mean, it's not a question of that's where India is headed. It has already reached there. Sure. Uh, Manisha, your favorite speech, which um, one did you like? And, and also, well, I just like to point out in the Rajya Sabha, all the seats, not all, but I think about 80% was empty when they were discussing, um, you know, whether it was Chennai or encephalitis. There was just no one there. So after the initial... Tamasha, no one is there when the issues are being discussed. Anyway, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, apart from my favorite, I'll begin with what I what I didn't like. I wasn't surprised by it, but I think it was very petty of the Prime Minister to uh, say that he's pained by Jharkhand, but why are some people defaming the a state the and stage. its people? Hmm. If you're spending, and something like this happens, and you're spending more time condemning those who are condemning the act, then there's clearly something seriously wrong with you. No one's... Uh, it's almost like when Sheila Dixit said, you know, after the Nirbhaya case that the media is blowing it out of proportion and mm. and don't defame Delhi. I think there were some people who even said that. Don't mm. call it the rape capital and all that. It's just very pathetic when you hear that from your leaders. I liked um, Moitra's speech. I found it okay. I think, I think the one important thing that she does, does bring up out of the media was quite important where she said that there's you know, complete subjugation and that the government should talk about who they're giving ads to mm. and who, which news channels and news organizations are not receiving ads. So I think that was one thing important that she brought up, which I liked. Thank you for the opportunity to plug. We don't get any ads, <laughs> so you can subscribe to News Laundry and pay to keep news free or you can be a part of NLC in our projects and fund us because neither the government nor do any corporations give us ads because we don't take any. Because on the public pays, the public is served. Yes, Manisha, you may carry on. No, that's it. That was my two takeaways. Sarangi, I, I just... It's just... You yeah. had any favorite speech or not, Anand? No. All were run of the mill speeches. Hmm. So, anyway. Okay, I have... Uh, Anand, I've said nothing to say about any speeches. I just found, uh, you know, two things interesting. One was that of what you said, the Prime Minister says that don't defame Jharkhand, don't say... Don't, don't start attacking all the people of that state, which no one is doing. What I find funny is that some very obvious things nobody says in parliament. Like, I'm surprised no one says that attacking you or your party is not attacking the state and please stop doing it. And if it is done in a fairly stern way, I think it'll, it'll A, a man with an ego as big as Modi's, it will humiliate him. So maybe he'll think twice next time. <laughs> and it'll, it'll point out that you can't keep doing this. It's such a shitty thing yeah, to do. Yeah. And it's, it's dumb. And the second thing is what Mahua did, but she did it not as directly as I would have liked. That she, where she said that regarding the National Citizen oh, yeah, Registry, that, was a good that you expect illiterate poor people mm. to have all sorts of papers to prove their citizenship, whereas ministers cannot produce the degree that mm. they to yeah. prove that they went to college. I wish someone in parliament were to say, Dear Speaker, the Prime Minister here is talking so much about... What, what stops him from giving his degree? The whole country is waiting for the last six years. I'd like to see how he'd react. And I think people are just too scared to do that. Because if you take him on directly and put him on the mat, because he'll have nothing to say. Because, you know, you know, if you've done the entire political science or whatever that you've done, what's he going to say? 
but if in front of the country in parliament something like that would happen i think it would be you know they're very instructive um, yeah at least on the nrc yeah she made a very good point madhu you have a favorite speech did you hear the speeches in parliament uh, any favorite speech or least favorite speech favorite to itni koi thi nahi but hmm. i mawa made a lot of noise hmm. uh, and got a lot of attention it was unusual for her to open up a, a subject which is really brought up in in parliament which i thought was good and she prepared na that's also like yeah, she clearly yeah, she prepared she had all the form. points she was really like she made 1 2 3 for my fifth point so you know mm. uh, although i do agree she got more attention than i think she deserved and i don't good. know what she deserves i thought that you know nobody's brought this up actually categorically stated that he's against such but things but as manisha said he spent more time criticizing the people who are bringing that up and saying that you know how can people do that and saying that they are attacking the whole state than than condemning yeah, the mob itself yeah but i'm itself. grateful for small mercies that at least he has spoken <laughs> up against it and i think the point of why he's spoken up now and not during the campaign before that because i think he is always conscious of the fact that he could lose a certain part of his vote bank if he spoke up against these kind of things and now he doesn't have to cater to that for the next he's five safe. years so yeah so i think now he feels comfortable enough to do it i think that's the motivation oh, what uh, he did is something that you also saw on television channels so you know arnab or rahul jhangar they all started with this is condemnable and this is despicable but what about the, the yeah, all, what about so it's yeah. just Yeah, it's just a pattern now. now. One Easy of the to. reasons why he did appeal to people to not malign Jharkhand's image it is consistent with his political uh, communication that uh, he appeals to the regional pride or or uh, the feel good about a reason mm-hmm. and uh, that. Uh, in a way that is a, a, an appeal to an electorate also hmm. i think gujarat uh, so, garv so, ke time uh, we used and, to go uh, so that that is a theme in his political communications and somehow that fits in there so um before we move on just like to tell you the media rumble comes back in delhi on the 2nd and 3rd of august at the india habitat center we have speakers from across disciplines we have gulzar and swara bhaskar and prakash raj from cinema we have madhu trehan shekhar gupta manisha pande dhanya rajendran uh, and we have many names we have like over two dozen journalists from all over we have the current ceo of malayalam manorama we have you know the heads of papers from around the country coming we have policy makers entry is free for subscribers as you know the rest of you go to the mediarumble.com and buy your tickets do come say hi to us we'll be there you can get an autograph from manisha biggest star 
and uh, yeah it'll be fun there's lots to do and oh and we have some fantastic film screenings we have two uh, international films and the film directors also coming into india to answer your questions in a live session so do come and these if you're interested in news and journalism you will love these films salil uh, before we move on to we just like to discuss you know the jharkhand case in a little more detail and then we'll move on to chennai as well um Chen- you're in london right salil Yeah I'm in London but I'm I'm not visible because my bandwidth is poor so uh, if I turn the camera on then the phone line drops yeah so I so and, and he's in London all yeah. right so all <laughs> yes. these people who who sing praises of young connectivity badi kharab hai please check out Salil Tripathi today Jio you got to get Jio Salil you got to get Mukesh bhai to cater to you there but but are you are you watching any of the matches are you a cricket buff Yeah yeah I am I think some but I mean I was at the you know the Jaipur festival was in Belfast last week so I was in Belfast and Dublin so I missed some of the better games in the last week I mean I missed the India Afghanistan and I missed the England match and the Pakistan match yesterday also because I was traveling yeah I see so, but I've seen some of the earlier ones India I I saw India whack Australia yeah <laughs> okay I have a question for you which was once brought up I I think we've discussed in Haftar a long time ago And I remember, I think 2010 or 8, whenever there was a World Cup, or maybe it wasn't a World Cup, it was some other series that was being played in London. There was a piece in the Outlook, if I remember correctly, that spoke about there were several. There was a very large and and uh, loud pack of cheerleaders who were, of course, cheering India on. And uh, I don't know how the reporter spoke to them. The ones he spoke to had never been to India. They were like second or third mm-hmm. generation Britishers. Oh. With the pagri and saffa and everything, they had British citizenship. They were born in Britain. Their parents or grandparents had come there, but in the India versus England match, they were cheering for India, mm. and it spoke about a certain some people who were dissatisfied with that, but would not overtly express it. Consider that one of the most crucial subjects for the diaspora. But I yeah yeah. But do you see that? Is is do you see a lot of that happen? And how do? Britishers react to it. Do do they say go to Pakistan? I mean, go to Hindustan? <laughs> no. So you Pakistan. know, it's, it's interesting because there was a Conservative Party politician called Norman Tebbit, and he had created what he called the Tebbit Test, which is that if you are a British citizen, you should support the English cricket team. And as in, um, and it was particularly targeted at the West Indies community, Indian community, and Pakistan community. At that time, Bangladesh wasn't a test playing nation. Hmm. And I have a friend who's of indian origin and british citizen and so on he said yeah i'll start cheering for british for the english team once they start winning something <laughs> and this was of course at the time when england was doing very badly i mean right now they are i mean they've lost a few matches but they are a much better team today than they mm. were then right and nasser hussain you know who was of course born in madras or at least had an indian father if i remember well mm. um he uh, also was upset that you know when he played for and captained england and when he would come out to lead and so on the british asians would be supporting the indian team and not him so there is an element of that but it's certainly not uh, visceral in spite of brexit and in spite of uh, all this drama around um, but uh, there's no know, fear what, uh, the the indian community yeah. has no so fear that, in no a fear and i mean you you occasionally get attacked i mean you know verbally attacked you know i, I remember one match i had gone to see um which was india england and dinesh kartik was the wicketkeeper dhoni was the captain and india won at lords and i was at the at the ground and when we came out and there were people with the flags and because you know at lords you're not allowed to wave flag so you could wave your flag only after you come out of the ground unlike at the oval 
I see. And when we did come out, um, some um, English fans abused them, you know, and you know said "f you" loudly. At which uh, this Indian guy said, "I love you too," you know, in return, and that was mm. and everybody laughed at that. Right. That's the most acid form of um, banter that I have seen. Uh, mm. It is right. interesting tomorrow. I mean, this this weekend, the India England match for two reasons. One is, of course, that for it's a make or break match for England, so mm. they won't be very indulgent if India is winning. And two, of course, the Brexit saga has vitiated the atmosphere a lot. So if you are a person of color in Britain, then, then the assumption is that you are from elsewhere. And if you are from elsewhere, you have to prove your loyalty. And uh, I mean, the whole leave remain debate kind of may get played out. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm right. not going to the ground. I'll be watching sure. It, uh, but I think the quite interesting cricket fans no? look at the in, in Eng- the English cricket fans, I would venture to say, are not as. Um, Passionate and violent, as say if this if you put the same situation if India was playing England in a football match, hmm. there would be violence. Yeah, I agree. That'd There'd be, be complete violence uh, yeah. because yeah. the passion and the anger and all that would come out. So I think there's a gentleman's game. Yeah, gentleman का तो पता नहीं पर आप ये देख लो यार जब World Cup यहाँ एक बार I think final हो रहा था कुछ Sri Lanka was playing India in Kolkata Eden Gardens and they raided the pitch before the last ball could be bowled. Anand, this happened yeah, at some 96. point. Yeah. yeah, I remember. Two, it was semi-final. Only semi-final. Only two World Cup matches have been abandoned because the crowd just invaded the ground, but both in India. So yes, Mathur was completely <laughs> yeah. right. So, but coming to speaking of violent mobs, uh, Jharkhand, there was case of uh, this video was shot of a man accused of stealing a motorcycle who was caught by the villagers there. And beaten up for twelve hours and forced to chant Jai Shri Ram. Not that it saved him in any way. Seven hours beaten up, so seven hours. Seven hours, but uh, mm. but uh, and overnight, I think the captain and the cops took him, and then he died yeah. in custody. Uh, he was taken to the hospital, and then he died Although in custody. Although his family yeah. claims that he was not taken to the hospital um, when he needed to, yeah, they kept him in police station, and only when he was dead is when they, they took they him. They claim that he was brought dead. The hospital the claims he was brought dead, so it was a really uh, horrible video. Yeah, and it's one of many that has come over the last few years of Bolje Shri Ram Bolo. In some cases, it is followed by beating. In some cases, it's not followed by beating, but just general intimidation. Uh, its coverage, I thought, was deeply problematic among prime time debates because it's yeah. almost like what aboutry is a legitimate argument now that. In fact, um, you know, you hear panelists from political parties say that if you don't raise your voice against every outrage, then you don't have a right to raise it against any outrage, and that's one of the most d- dumb like things I've heard in my life. But it seems that these colleagues of ours, many of whom at some point or the other, Madhu, you've worked with, I've worked with, what happened along the way? Did they become so inhuman? Did they kind of? It's very very depressing to watch these debates, which is why I've stopped. I just watch Netflix now. <laughs> yeah, I've stopped also because I just do skim across it to to just know what subjects they are handling, and usually it's this tutu meme type of thing. It's never any real news, so you can just skim through it and say, okay, yeah, mahal chal raha. That's it. But I think again, it's a tired old sort of thing to say now, but it really is th- this. Era will be known as the death of journalism, really, because nobody is doing stories. They're just basically. Although you know, we will come to the encephalitis case where we sent a reporter because so many of you subscribers said that 
we will subscribe we will put our money where our mouth is send the reporter so ayush went there he's already filed three reports he's still there we've extended his stay by another 3 days or i think 4 days i highly recommend the last story that he's put out it's really good piece of journalism it's detailed it gives all the information it has the humanitarian crisis it does not take sides in terms of patients versus doctors mm. uh, i think that's the biggest thing mm. in good journalism is that you don't always have to do an expose or attack but simply by telling the story from all points of view which is what ayush has done he's told the story from the patient's point of view from families uh, from the doctors it's uh, medical students in fact so i think it's a really well done story it covers everything anand uh, your take on the entire lynching and its coverage in the media okay or um, any other commentary okay. around it you see uh, the problem of communal lynching is a subset of a larger problem and that is uh, of mob justice so that is the larger problem of mob justice which is uh, somehow uh, that, that has built in india over decades and uh, india is a country if you scan newspapers you can find 10 15 incidents daily where the where people have killed someone before the police arrives i have myself witnessed two uh, mob deaths uh, death inflicted by mob in my village so uh, what uh, now uh, for example everyday example the first impulse of a driver who is involved in an accident say a bus driver is to run away even if he is injured yeah because he fears driver. that the mob will kill him mm. the mob will kill him even you see in pop- a popular culture in mainstream hindi cinema the final fate of a very dreaded uh, villain is that he has to be killed by a group of people by the mob what this what they don't say it that there is a lot of verbal violence also there they they uh, people say here the question is of communal nature but when people kill a, a supposed criminal or who has indulged in some immediate crime they uh, in not they humiliate him in lot of uh, ways they make him leak his spit or something like that they make him spit they make they here the problem was of religion religious identity somewhere it is of uh, Uh, say caste identity they uh, so it can be a, a lower or upper caste whoever is the victim caught i mean say the criminal caught so it is a larger problem humiliation yesterday only throughout the prime time in the local television channels in patna were playing a video of a man who uh, two brothers who were caught and killed by people by stones and brick because they had run over a kid hmm. uh, so and the, and even when the man was dead they kept beating him hmm. so there there is a lo- larger problem of mob justice india is a big country if you find uh, if you go out to find incidents you will find all incidents to counter other incidents so that is something related to it the second aspect is the aspect of the communal tone of it as i said that people while uh, delivering what they 
uh, assume is more of justice, is justice. They humiliate people. They uh, somehow uh, make them recall their religion. They will humiliate him on get that ground or caste or something. So the mob theory uses these techniques. And so mm. I, I am just explaining it to listeners. I am not just what actually happens. And now, uh, now third about the what about tree. Now, of course, I in social media I uh, see there are two lists coming, mm. two lists of the, the people who have lynched Muslims mm. and then Hindu victims of mm. similar crime. Now. And that is also because the public, the ground public outrage in rural India is not much because they have come to believe that all this is very exaggerated. That is what I gathered when I visit my place. That uh, So what about tree? Maybe uh, uh, I think what about tree? is when you find yourself at uh, the receiving end of a narrative in which you are not a part and you are at the receiving end and to uh, address that you do. Uh, I have found that critiques of what about tree, when I watch them over a sustained period of time, themselves indulge in it. Mm. Because for a longer period of time, you cannot do about what about tree, the whole sense of justice and fairness, children of a lesser god. What is this? Why, lesser God or some so? But yes, to not take cognizance of the seriousness of the case and to uh, suspend your humanity just to score some brownie points—that points. Hmm. Yeah. is problematic. I think it's also to do with it's, it's also to do with the the in, incentives of debating. You know, it's become a for a lot of people that's their monthly income. Yeah, just landing up at panels and shouting. So you have to. Sacrifice your basic decency. I think when a particular incident is being discussed, that should be discussed. So, right. uh, so uh, that is it. But yes, there uh, there is a clear divide that certain media houses will highlight these cases, certain this. That, that has become very clear to media consumers. Hmm, Manisha, what did you watch? Um, so just on the Jai Ram slogan, but in the run-up to 2019, for almost a year, I've seen a lot of debates where it's you can't call it mob justice or mob fury but i've seen a lot of panelists like sambit patra just heckle muslim panelists say like say things like jashri ram bolo kyun nahi bol rahe kya problem hai bolte kyun nahi ho and anchors also saying bol do kya problem hai kyun nahi bolte hmm. so that kind of thing to just sort of corner the other person by saying that you say this slogan or that slogan you've seen it play out on television a lot and it's very scary to now see an extreme end of it where You've had three incidents. You've had one in West Bengal where a madrasa teacher has claimed that he was pushed off a train. You've had an incident in Assam where a bunch of people were going to find some labor. They were all Muslims and some guys came and told them, chant, Jashri Raman started beating them up. So to see where you've come from, you know, seeing this on TV with primetime BJP spokespersons, party spokespersons doing it to now see a mob do it, it's very scary. Uh, so you're saying it's a progression in something it's that... It's a progression and I think the problem with... Sure, there's mob justice and sure, you've had lynchings. But you cannot ignore the communal sort of aspect to this because he, what this does is that depending on what my religion is, my that could, you know, dip, the mob's fury could be equivalent to what my religion is. And that's scary. Like if this thief if it was Hindu, would they have just beaten him up and said, okay, you know, call mm. the cops and just take him away? 
and yeah. that is scary and i think one of the problems why our discourse is so bad in media is that we don't have a law on hate crime we yeah. don't know how to define it we don't know what it is mm. so we club rapes murders you know murders committed by muslims rapes committed by muslims as mob crimes mm. a lot of these lists are like oh look two muslims beat up a hindu guy it could be just a criminal person doing a crime and no one's contesting the fact yeah, that crime is every religion but the, when someone says you know say allah akbar or i'll club you to death and kills you the, that the, is very scary and you will understand mm. that from what a hindu feels in uh, say a pakistan or bangladesh when something like you have to understand the chilling effect this creates in communities hmm. like what sort of effect does this have on a regular muslim guy who probably doesn't want to take a panga even if he's right because hmm. he feels scared okay four people in front of me i'm muslim And I should just sort of. It's a fact. It's happening. And I mean, that is what is. It's happening to people around. So that for I'm aware me, of. I think it's very important so, to oh, oh, address this. Hmm. One thing that, yeah, the definition of hate crime. That is, I see all uh, tabulation of hate crimes in India is just based on media reports because police has no definition. Yeah, of police. It. Exactly. In the last two years, NCRB yeah, data so, they so, haven't so, given. So, so police, no, pol- uh, police does not have a specific law to uh, register Deal a case under crime. that. So. police cannot define it now in both here in cases the trigger was a threat so it uh, technically so it uh, the adjunct was the communal one but the trigger was the theft so in te- their technical definition it may not also similarly in mathura case where the two yadavs were killed by a muslim uh, one yadav was a killed by a muslim mob uh he later he later died but he is he died of injuries so he was said he was uh, um, one of the brothers who survived he said that they were uh, called kafirs mm. and uh, so that is again not uh, in a technical definition of a hate crime because there was some money dispute about about a lassi so yeah. so no so, but so, actually if you look at the definition of hate crimes the countries that have it it doesn't matter what the trigger is like the case of the sikh gentleman i think in america where he refused cigarettes mm. and then uh, two white guys stabbed him now you can say it's because of cigarettes mm. but no it's a hate crime yeah exactly that, i think racial slurs accompanied it was similar here also in the case of the train uh, that happened i think that was one of the first few that happened i think it was the Junaid's train jinnad's lynching where again they said it was a seat it was about a seat but because he was muslim then they started you know commenting on that and taking off his topi so I think it's not a black and white definition. The thing is that it's the same thing that if the guy sitting there is a Hindu, you will go this far. If he's a Muslim, then you will say to how dare you not get up? I will get up. You know, it's 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 just uh, the bullying. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. One defi- aspect of all, uh, I think Salil would have to say something. Mm. He has not spoken after for a long time. Mm. So, so we just come to Salil after saying. this. Yeah, Salil, you have a view before we move on yeah. to the encephalitis case on what we just discussed. on what is a hate crime and uh, what is not no so i i think to some extent laws exist in india you know there are laws curbing free speech there are a large number of them 153a 295a about spreading communal disharmony about anybody being able to use and file an fir against somebody because somebody says something that is offensive to them the laws are in place yes the kind of laws that are being talked about which are specific to you know and targeted over a, a religious um, um identity you know such as the sikh and the cigarette case that was talked about yes that may not be explicitly laid out but i don't think there's a need for a new law uh, shehla rashid had started a move last year or the year before on this manav suraksha kanun you know to basically try to get uh, jignesh mewani was involved in all of them 
hmm. which is to try to you know prevent the lynching so i think that is one of the thing needed but i wanted to take a few steps back you know several of you noted that uh, the prime minister did immediately condemn it and then took the story to jharkhand and all that fact is that you know this this is what happens when our expectations go very low that i mean we we keep saying that you know the prime minister should condemn should condemn should condemn finally condemns and we feel ah something has happened uh, that's the least of it you know what what's needed is prosecution of the guy who did it and very firm prosecution quick trials and then you know effective punishment that follows that's going to send down the message far more clearly than uh, you know prime minister after 5 years of being the prime minister finally issues a statement 2 days later rather than 20 days later so i think right. we also should and I, i think that's the greater danger i see uh, of the whole mob lynching issue that you know it's become so normalized now that we don't we think ah wo to hota rehta hai you know that kind of an attitude and i think uh, um, i i don't i don't have a solution for it but i'm just observing it yeah right now madhu if you could come in we'll just move on to the other big story uh, which got good attention and i'm glad it got this kind of attention i think public health is something that should get a lot more attention and not only of course one can talk about how it's problematic it's just about those deaths and like many other countries when you see debates on public health they talk about this is the allocation this much this means so much is available to each person this is the kind of allocation for the insurance this is how many people have access to the insurance if x amount fall ill together this is how much is going to dent the state treasury so i think we'll get there but on the coverage of this encephalitis case we discussed this last time also um are you happy that now it is an issue that both is the expectation the high what salil was saying while expectations of prime minister have gone low at least the expectation on public health have gone high is that something to I, find a I, extract I don't a think silver the, lining i don't think the expectations have gone high i think people are just as despairing as before with our medical system it's not going to change overnight but i think what has happened is that there is a, a consciousness of the necessity to make demands that things have to change and i think that awareness has come uh, wherever you are whether you're in chennai or you're in bihar or up i think that is a, some a little slimmer of hope that at least maybe the governments in and now and in future we'll consider that health has to be you have to pay more attention to it because health and education f- seems to be to them like almost like a money in the dark hmm. you know they don't seem to see it as an investment as has been advised by so many uh, sociologists and economists more than sociologists economists that you have to invest in education and and health in order for your economy to survive right but unfortunately our governments is uh, the allocations have been very very low in proportion so vanisha uh, you weren't here last week anand and i mm. had discussed this at length you i have... don't know if it was well covered i mean not on television media at least was it oh. i mean no, the it same was covered, sort of it oh, was covered in that same noisy way gaye, but nobody did a, like a real story you know like going in with a, with uh, figures and facts and and then talking to people with deep interviews get telling the story of the patients the families the story yeah. of the doctors nobody did that it was just but general in, in pure air time noise. it got a lot of air time i mean you won't hear last week but yeah last week got a whole lot of air time 
Uh, I mean, we've got well, more ground year, reports now. Well, every year it does, you know. Like, but, uh, yes, you know, you uh, have to, after you, you saw all that footage, did you get a sort of a sense of... What's w- happening there? Exactly. No, what I didn't. Is that the I agree. I didn't. I didn't get What it. is the problem and what are the solutions? There were sound bites and shouting. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't so get a sense of... So, this was the difference that in Ayush's reports, hmm. it's come out that he's not only presented the facts, figures, statistics, the sizes of the hospitals, every detail... And in that woven in it comes an automatic solution, suggestion, which is that unless the state pays attention to these hospitals and creates more hospitals and more facilities, especially for the rural areas, uh, nothing is going to happen. I was surprised in his report. I was What shocked me most was how easy it is to actually cure kids with AES. It's just that one hour where you need to give them that attention. And it's very simple. It's just, you know, cold ice packs, putting them in an AC, giving them paracetamol, glucose. Just one hour. And how most of these kids... Drip, if they can get the drip. Most of these kids are from such poor backgrounds. Like with Ayush's story, I asked him, like his first story actually uh, looks at the kids who've died. So I said, did they have pictures? So he's like, no, none of the families have pictures of the kids. They're that poor. Like, there's no phone, no sort of photographic evidence also of the kids. He should have put that in the so, story. Mm. And, and the link that, you know, these are just really poor people, landless, kachaghars, malnutritioned, lower caste often, and like zero access to healthcare. Yeah, Anand, you want to say something? Well, two things. First, uh, I would like to uh, complete something about previous, that mm. once hate crimes are defined like that in India... So the I think that the number of cases are so much is so many that uh, because uh, the momentum of quarrel and spat or say violent confrontations, so inevitably when it uh, gathers heat, the identity of the second person comes up. So I it would be in a in a very complex society like India, a lot of cases would come under hate crime. As anyway, so this AES, the coverage we had discussed, yes, yes. so uh, we had also seen that maybe it was the guilt com- uh, thing that that led said, several television channels to overcompensate for their neglect of the health <laughs> beat hmm. with. Uh, uh, and they overcompensated with uh, some some guilt-ridden. Uh, also, how that helps their credentials as a development journalist and invitation to international conferences. Mm. So that may be one of the to show that we have we covered that also. Mm. So that may be second thing is uh, I'm coming to report. I read some of the reports uh, in different media houses about that. And uh, in general, so I am speaking as a media consumer. Uh, so. It is that uh, I have a, over years I have uh, this view of ground reports mm. that I neither prefer it from someone who lives there mm. nor someone who goes there to cover that. Mm. I prefer someone who is just aware with the Tortrika of the region, mm. who is who would not be led by someone mm. uh, because those who live there have some local network and they often don't see a story mm. something that is in plain sight you don't see a story also you have too many local contacts you want to some cover up something and there. and the 
parachute ones comes come with a template or they they are too much dependent on what people say the tor tarika awareness one some say someone come get from patna who is not living in muzaffarpur he knows the nuance what the language local language mm. the uh, and also he can also detect the lies the the matlab apne ghar ka na ho aur paraye bhi na ho maasi ka lona ho that means so, that so, uh, <laughs> that means that uh, that anand fills the bill no. you should be doing the next story oh, oh i was not pitching myself <laughs> he's basically basing he fills the bill someone not from here not from so, here but from patna yes no, and he can go there without, i have developed this that's him narsimha matlab na ho aakash mein kyun bithaya hua hai patal mein someone um, what what happens is that uh, some uh, he, he were then better position to uh, see through even victims sometimes exaggerate things or sometimes isko bhejo ya aise ya waste kar raha hai theek hai in fact we are so, trying to get anand to do a story on super 30 from on ground hopefully uh, he'll do it I, but I, then he's a he's he's an interested party because he also coaches kids for ias Uh, no but sorry mr that guy doesn't coach fires na he goes to iit acha sahil how much indian television do you watch uh, you want the honest answer not at all okay <laughs> <laughs> no, so before... no, i do i i do occasionally see a few things that other people post some of ravish's videos and some uh, something outrageous arnab might have done or uh, but no not otherwise i don't watch it no so um i'm going to move on to the chennai case but on this encephalitis do you think it's 5 trillion dollar economy world superpower does does that kind of fit in with the narrative if we have this kind of stuff happening i mean i find it like a complete disconnect no no there is a disconnect and i think uh, I, i think a lot of the solutions and and uh, responses have to do with the way the healthcare sector is being administered and and these are indeed the stories we that everyone should outrage over including journalists rather than um, most of the thing that we do take outrage over which is things like bande matram so i'm really glad that the encephalitis story is being played out and again bearing in mind the what about her factor i mean good reporters and journalists should do it regardless of where it happened if it happened in bengal do it if it happened in kerala do it and if it happens in up do it yeah Okay uh I'll just go over a couple of mails and then we'll get back to Chennai and the water crisis not just in Chennai but if you go by that report on CNN there are about five Indian metros that are looking up at dry groundwater in a couple of years This email is from Utsav Manu Utsav says I'm Utsav Manu a subscriber and NL Sena contributor I'm a post doctorate researcher in Tokyo University Japan but I grew up in Muzaffarpur Actually I was born in Kejriwal Hospital there where the bulk of AES related deaths have happened So um yeah it's 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 a uh, one of the hospitals Kejriwal yeah. is not where the bulk This mail is a great thank you to everyone at News Laundry for the great work you do and for the fact that you sent Ayush for ground reports These AES related deaths happen in Muzaffarpur every summer and their causes are always shrouded in mystery When we were kids we were told that this happened due to Japanese encephalitis but it was always wired as none of the kids in my colony had it I'm really looking forward to reports from Ayush I find almost everybody at News Laundry especially News Laundry Hafta to be so interesting to listen to it would be great if you have more podcasts and read out reports that could be listened to thank mm. you for your kind words and your support uh, Manu uh, we will be actually making all our reports available to listen to if you don't want to read them like I don't because my eyes are becoming weak with age so I just listen to it as podcasts we will be doing that we were doing that with a few reports but we will be doing that with all our reports going forward this next email is from Prakash Ayer Prakash says hi news laundry team long time subscriber love your work it was good to have a sports journalist on the hafta last week 
आई थिंक नाउ द टाइम हैज़ कम टू रिटायर द टॉपिक इज क्रिकेट अ गेम और अ स्पॉट इट्स बिन रिपीटेड टू मच आई कम्प्लीटली एग्री विद प्रकाश सो आई एम नॉट इवन गोइंग टू ब्रिंग इट अप अगैन अन दिस यू गाइज राइट अबाउट इट एनी वन सेटल Others add anything new. Totally boring. F Y F W I W my new points. What is F W I W? F W I W. For what it's worth. Okay. For what it's worth, says Karthik. <laughs> the only. I, I wonder what he does with the all this time saved in. <laughs> But I think this is a new lingo. F W. It's a Reddit thing. What, every time somebody puts an acronym, you should raise that question. I how much time do you save by doing ABC? If I can, if I can, you know, understand it, I use it. The examples of Hanandan quotes in Zamam, Ranatunga, etc., from the nineties, early two thousands. The game has changed. Just like athleticism of football players now is far superior to those in the fifties and sixties. Look at how athletic current Indian team is. Also, the level of athleticism of different sports is different. The best backup defensive positions players in American football are three hundred pounds who can't run fast like the quarterback can. Does that mean NFL is not a sport? Obviously not. Cricket just needs different level of athleticism. Even in this super fit era of cricket, a leg spinner doesn't need to be that fit, but a fast bowler needs to be. Also, I've noticed the kind of criticism is usually from Indians. Abhinandan is not the first guy I've heard this from. Who like other sports which are not followed as much in India, and it really comes across as they are just jealous, trying to convince other Indians how cricket <laughs> is not a sport. Cricket fans don't go out of their way to seek approval from others. Move <laughs> on, please. So wow. So that's Prakash. Thank you, Prakash, for your email. But um, I have nothing to say. And this is just a very quick 98-word email from Guru Gu Belly Sai Ratna Chaitanya. Hi it was sad to hear the ill informed comments on Kaleshwaram lifts irrigation scheme KLIS was the only thing on Telugu media for a very long time TRS came back to power using this and many other welfare schemes there wasn't a campaign speech where chief minister KCR his son KTR and his brother in law T Harish Rao also ex irrigation minister didn't mention KLIS KLIS is an extension of erstwhile Pranahita Chevela project that was a part of Jalegnam conceptualized when the late YSR was still the chief minister scroll has done a nice series and then he's given links to about 5 or 6 reports on this so thank you ratnam uh, please try and have a longer discussion on this if you find the links interesting and useful so i think ratnam what we'll do is we'll get someone from the region who has the tor tarika experience as anand said to discuss this what actually raman mentioned last time was that there was a similar scheme when he used to be a reporter with first post and he was an investigative reporter he had done a very damning story that time telangana didn't exist of the combined andhra where a similar drip irrigation scheme had a lot of money dripping out of it so i think that just reminded him so he may have mentioned it so um, now coming back to you salil i know you followed uh, the when did you, when you lived in india where did you live salil if i how long back was that when, when, oh long ago I, i left india in 1990 early 1991 i see and where did you live at the time uh, bombay bombay i see So Bombay is also on the list. That there, there's some very um, depressing news that one hears. Chennai only forty percent of its water of of what the water it usually used to get is getting right now. That main lake is completely dry. Four of its reservoirs are completely dry. The big ones. And uh, although they got rain last year, I remember Jalada was the first chief minister to make water harvesting structures compulsory, not only for big malls or buildings or this thing, but even for individual houses. You wouldn't get your Naksha passed if you don't have water harvesting structure. She was that way pretty smart. She was visionary for her time. How serious is this issue? You know, because this is something that it's it's a bit like AIDS at the at the risk of you know sounding like I don't care. When I was young, 
you know they said that aids is going to like wipe out india like that's what you heard it became such a big thing and touch wood i mean god is i hope sabko sammati dev bhagwan after every 10 times an advisory on aids yeah and i in my life don't know anyone personally who has it so i'm wondering if we made too much of it similarly the whole thing that we're going to run out of groundwater i've been hearing it for a long time i mean i'm sure it's a problem in chennai but this report on cnn said delhi is going to run out of it next year 2020 i mean are we being alarmist um do you have a view on this salil i i don't think it's being alarmist i mean sometimes alarmism helps to take action right i mean hiv you mentioned so just to give a brief uh, response to that i came back from the us in 1986 and the first case was um, discovered soon after that in bombay and i went to chennai i went to uh, the velour christian medical hospital and the work that suniti solomon did there and wrote a series of reports which came out in the magazine imprint which we sangvi used to edit and yes that was the alarmism then and of course if the right healthcare steps had not been taken it would have been a problem if india had a very religious as in you know kind of a government you know which uh, you know prevented the use of condoms for example you know a catholic government or something like that hmm. then uh, it would have been a problem i mean if the stigma would have been much much more uh, visible and it would have probably led to far many more deaths and i think uh, you know what the gate foundation and others did was remarkable so i think it was a crisis and it was handled and i think uh, the same thing is happening in the water area I mean, water stress areas are significant currently under a problem urban growth is rampant buildings are being built we all know that high rise apartments are being built without proper planning for right uh, water being you know, rain water harvesting is very poor so whether it will be next year or 5 years or 10 years if steps are not taken uh, india is going to have a very major problem but if these things don't become electoral issues that's the broader point here that occurs to me that you know many people are that why isn't climate change an issue in indian elections and hmm. uh, it's a very legitimate question to ask but you can't really have those conversations if we are obsessed about jai shri ram and vande mataram sure i i mean i completely agree there's a more important conversation water being key to life it could lead to riots it could lead yeah. to every dystopian you know um, film from leela to mad max hell road or whatever it was called mm-hmm. it's all to do that? with the world is out of water it's it's everything is and yes i i see why that's important although I was very pleased to see that in my neighborhood New Motibag an bureaucrats colony actually the water table has risen their water harvesting structure is so efficient and in fact my colony which is a retired foji officers colony was one of the first in delhi to have a water harvesting structure and they got some sort of green award also hmm. so you know but colonies have been doing that for a while but i remember i made a documentary on this whole water harvesting and its importance in early 2000s that was when shila dikshit was planning water privatization in delhi i i just like to move this into that i hear a lot of people say just privatize it and it the problem gets solved it's a scarce resource as long as it's free no one will care i find that one of the most flawed arguments and i think that is a bigger danger than anything else when especially the world bank kind of consensus now they've stopped doing it in fact there's a long paper on it online where for the longest time they were pushing for water privatization they made it happen in bolivia they made it happen in, uh, in malaysia or indonesia I forget which and uh, bolivia of course it was a complete disaster because when the company wasn't making enough money they lobbied the government to make it illegal to even collect rain water for a person they had to buy water and in a country with income disparity like india where someone can you know fill pools and the other person won't even be able to enough to buy a glass i'm i'm at least 
pleased that you know the typical usual suspect like Surjit Bhalla for whom the market is the solution to everything. I am not seeing any column space saying that privatize it, it'll get okay. At Actually, least that no, that so, that baloney so, is settled. No one no one says that shit anymore. A very good yeah, article. Two yeah. two points here, uh, Abhinandan here, which I think are worth bearing in mind. I wrote a paper some years ago, Amnesty International, about almost 10, 12 years ago, on privatization and human rights and what was the issue that I did did look at. And you're right about Cochabamba in Bolivia, where this case was indeed a problem. Philippines was the other country you were probably thinking right, of, right. not Malaysia, right. where there was a privatization and it's an issue. Uh, I think two or three things are clear here, that there is de facto privatization in India. If you live in slums in urban India, you are buying water from a tanker. The state does not provide you water and you are paying a lot more for every liter you get, about 12 times more than what someone on Pedder Road or Altmount Road pays in Bombay, for example. Right. The guys in Dharavi are paying more per liter or per, per glass of water they consume than uh, uh, in theory, Mr. Ambani at Altamount Road, because, you know, he gets municipal supply, which he treats and all that sort of thing. Sure. So I think there is a distortion here. There is a way around it that Europe has figured out. And I think that's probably the way to go, um, which is that you come up with what is regarded as the daily minimum and individual needs. And it varies between 60 to 80 liters. I mean, it depends for your food needs, clothing needs, uh, washing needs, bathing needs, everything, individual needs about... 70 to 80 liters a day. What you can do is a system that up to that much per household, per person, that water is available for free. And after that, let your Surjit Bhallas take over. And I don't mean it in a facetious sense, but there is no fundamental reason by somebody who has a pool in their garden should pay the same uh, as the slum dweller for every piece of, every drop of water that he or she gets. If you want to keep your lawn green and if you want to water it uh, even during summer months in Delhi and whatever, then yes, then you pay a lot more because you're, con and, and it should be so more, so much more that he thinks in terms of having a rock garden instead of a green lawn. Uh, and I think those are the kind of things that require um, innovative thinking around it. And so yes, pricing of water is a sensible idea provided it's based on affordability, accessibility and availability. Right. Uh, if those are denied, then it's a problem. Now, these are longer-term things that can't be dealt with in, in a, when the nation is in a crisis mode. Sure. And if Chennai is indeed in a crisis mode, then something more urgent may be necessary, including rationing, including imposing cuts in the richer areas after certain hours or something like that. Yeah, but but, but I some think some kind of a way that looks at equity issues as well as excess issues is relevant and right. important. The rest of the country can, I think, look forward. Madhu, you want to say? Yeah, I wanted to um, uh, recommend Ishar Aluwalia's piece in today's Indian Express. Mm. And her piece is usually good because she tackles always is civic issues, such as electricity, water, these kind of basics. And her articles, as this one is, are usually uh, solution-oriented. So I do recommend that one. But your view on the whole are we making too much of this? You, do you no, feel we can't that? be making too much out of such a serious problem. All right. it, it's, we're not making enough of it. Okay. Anand? No, no, it, it is, particularly in urban areas, it is a big problem, but also in, in the hinterland or semi-urban areas or rural areas, it is also becoming a problem. Now, see, uh, some of the uh, obvious things that you see in Delhi, I think uh, boarding, uh, boarding is illegal. Yeah. Mm. But, 
that uh, if you go uh, to a landlord and he does not have boarding you are least likely to take that hmm. uh, flat for rent right. because you are not long run is detrimental to the water table but you are not going to rent a flat that doesn't uh, have any that illegal water. because it's Ill- it's illegal also mm. but it's very rampant rampant so the very sign of a resourceful landlord is that he would have boarding mm. so <laughs> that is so. manisha your take on this Mm I think you guys have made all the points but no I don't think at all that we could be making too much of it I see. especially someone who's from the hills hmm and fact, seeing the hills, how the glaciers are melting double at double the speed in fact wahan par there's all shimla masuri nenita solon summer vacations Nainital. every year there's a water every year there's a water problem yeah. there and also chera punji which used to be in the world record guinness book of world records for the place where there's most rainfall also had water problems a few years I ago i think in yes. chennai year, also simla 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 uh, and the judges of the himachal high court said that they should be provided with water first yes i, I remember the that. first right yeah. the first right to be wet <laughs> so uh, i quickly wanted to just mention this rahul gandhi's tweet uh, it's not of major national significance but i just wanted a quick litmus test on Uh, Salil, did you see the tweet where he mocked the on yoga day? Uh, there was a tweet that of the of of the um, uh, dogs know, performing you know, yoga. The dogs who are serving the forces performing yoga with their handlers, and he said, yeah. "What a nation!" Or what did he say? I I forget exactly. New India. New India. So uh, and of course he was trashed for it. Did just did what do you think of that tweet? You think he's what does it tell us about Rahul? <laughs> Uh, that he has a sense of humor. Okay, so you didn't think there was anything uh, like? Did you, did you you thought the backlash was not not warranted? Yeah, it was coordinated and disproportionate. I mean, I I didn't think it was a clever thing to do, but mm. it entirely his choice. It was free speech. Sure. Anyone else? What do you think? I think the... it was. It shows how dumb he is, because when you speak, especially as a politician, or when you write, or when you make any kind of a statement, mm. you also anticipate. the impact be, yeah. yeah and also who you're speaking to like if i'm speaking to you i'm aware of the impact of what my words will be if i'm talking to a teenager it'll be different it may be in different communities i might be talking to a, a person from a different kind of a community or whatever my language will be different everything because who you're talking to decides hmm. what you're saying and how you're saying it and if he's not aware enough that doing something like this which is connected to the armed forces which is uh, untouchable in india in the sense that it's sacrosanct you cannot make fun of the armed forces hmm. so when you do that then but, it's but, stupid but, hmm madhu how can the armed forces be sacrosanct when we have the armed forces special powers act and the way the army behaves i'm not saying officially they're sacrosanct i'm saying public, the culture yeah, in india is such forge ko nahi bolna forge ko kuch nahi bol sakte unless of course somebody is caught doing something dishonest but generally the sympathy of the public is always with the armed forces because they lead extremely tough lives 
genuinely mm. i think there's a sympathy there because people understand that they are risking their lives for us these are people who are not from wealthy families they're not industrialist sons they're not uh, you know uh, politician sons they are people from a different uh, people who are not wealthy and they're going and they're risking their lives for the country so there's a certain element of respect and, and affection for them so they are sacrosanct i think politically I, and I, for, for rahul gandhi to be unaware of that sentiment and just tweet it off as something funny there's a lack of political acumen yes i think it was more insulting to the dogs than the armed forces no <laughs> I, i as a dog owner he should be more respectful of dogs no, i just he thought, seemed to be mocking the dogs no i just thought <laughs> it was a i was surprised because you know given the circumstance there's that shit happening with the congress performing so badly and him getting heat that will he go will he not go i just i mean to me what it gave me an insight into rahul was that he's not really politically interested you know it mm. it was like that's pretty like clear, i don't huh? give a fuck i'll tweet what i want that's yeah, yeah that kind of attitude i so it's clear that he's clearly not interested in in the space so that's what it showed me any thoda naraz bhi type you know look at the kind of tweets some bjp mps have made now i don't want to get into what about her here sure but i mean it, it inevitably becomes that you know when um, the the kind of tweets they make on muslims for example or on triple talaq or ridiculing ovc Hmm. I think those are far more sinister than this one, which ultimately, if it ridicules anybody, it was ridiculing, in my view, the government over its obsession with the yoga. No, it is clear. It has discovered something new, whereas it is a 2,000-year-old system in India. And you could argue whether you know they were really doing yoga poses or they were doing acrobatics. I mean, that was the other no, point. No, but the I mean, thing is, again, to mock, mo- to mock dogs, real tweet into a serious issue. But uh, just imagine the, you know. how the response has been when modi talks about the cloud computer you know the cloud cover he also got it for that in air force attack or not he got Pakistan it for that many people made fun of him climate change hmm. and how we are said oh no 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 and 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 how the disproportionate response that one tweet from rahul gets i mean i mean yeah. i don't have a dog in the fight i mean to to be I don't think it's no, disproportionate. More pe- yeah. enough people made fun no, of uh, Modi's cloud yeah, this thing. Yeah, Modi's cloud this thing. I remember I tweeted that Sky Tata Sky can't hear that. Jab they both here. Everybody, I mean, it was a huge reaction to his cloud. No, but Sanil, what I mean is not the response. What I mean is, I think when Modi gave that whole cloud thing, from his yeah. political understanding, he was doing something really smart. It backfired. It showed us how stupid he is, at least to me. Did it? It shows. No, he, I don't but, think it but, backfired. But what I'm there saying are, is, it also sh- anti-intellectual move. I see it in Britain with this disrespect for the Brexit argument. I see it in America with you know Trump can get away with anything, and it's the same with Modi getting away. No, with but it. no, no. When I, Boris Johnson can say something stupid, he gets away with it. Modi they say something stupid, he gets away with it. But, but others are held to a different standard. No, but stand. I'm not. That's all. But that getting away with it is baked into the cake. The cake that I am putting out on the table. Yeah, I don't think anybody's yeah. getting away that's, with it. No, Everyone's getting hell. No, but that's not what I'm Trump talking about. Trump gets hell. In fact, I'm baking. Boris Johnson gets hell. I'm baking that into my comment. It is that when you know that is what the situation is. I'm talking about like when Modi says something. Ki, मैंने जब पहला digital photograph और email भेज दिया. वो अपनी तरफ से लोगों दिखा रहा है देखो मैं इतना विज्ञान का ज्ञानी हूँ मैं मैंने मतलब आई स्विच ऑन लाइट बिफोर इलेक्ट्रिसिटी वॉज इन्वेंटेड बट अपनी तरफ से ही इज थिंकिंग की सीधा दिस विल मेक मी लुक सो कूल एंड अनफॉर्चुनेटली हीज राइट इट डज एंड पीपल स्टिल वोट फॉर हिम ना दैट्स अ सेपरेट मैटर नाउ कम टू राहुल अनलेस ही इज ब्लाइंड ही नोज एवरी वन लाफिंग एट हिम एंड ही इज बींग ट्रीटेड एज अ नॉन सीरियस पर्सन इन दैट फ्लो टू डू दिस 
to me demonstrates he's not interested absolutely yeah no. that's the one thing i also felt and he's a bit like ab main gussa ho gaya hu indian ha it's and like ab- shows that if you are not very sensitive to public perception you are not very serious about your politics because you have to live in electoral politics where public perceptions would matter so that is one but the more primary problem is that apart from few politicians uh, you are not interested in politicians tweets because you don't know whether they are tweeting so uh, even mr modi i i, I doubt whether he tweets or uh, or lot of politicians whether they are tweeting or some team lalu's tweets <laughs> never sounded like uh, lalu's or or or, or uh, they have uh, an it team doing on behalf sure, they may have so, commissioned it outsourced so once you have this impersonal connection with their tweets that a team is tweeting for them you are not very you don't react in the way that you so i don't maybe uh, it is in the it cells of different political parties find it a very convenient punching bag that ab isne ye tweet kar diya hai but uh, when a politician is not tweeting i i i, I think lot of people are not interested in that and also i think but i do think uh, modi has very successfully made the whole yoga into this big tamasha i don't know to what extent he should be credited making yoga an international phenomenon it was an international phenomenon before he became pm i have traveled abroad before 2014 and yoga was this big thing at least in the us you know starting the mid 2000s and in fact one of those bikram yoga he had also gone to shit for molesting his women he had become such a big dude he had become villain so everything had happened before the one thing is when he says that A I don't believe dogs can do yoga or it will benefit them in any way so I thought that was a bit bizarre that Who photograph said this? I'm saying oh, this Oh you're saying this okay <laughs> I I don't I mean I'm someone who's been practicing yoga I'm 45 since I was like 24 what am I now that how calculate 21 years and the second thing is that when Modi said that garib se garib aadmi ko bhi yoga karna chahiye that gives away that he knows nothing about yoga Dude, if you don't getting enough calories to eat, yeah. you don't get enough sleep. Yoga is going to jack shit for you. You'll faint. That is when it is clear everything is a photo op. Everything is how it'll sound. I don't know jack about it. My illiteracy on the subject is as much as it is about radio waves. But I'll still pay low gyan. And I think also, that he doesn't. This is a kind of an insensitive remark to say, no? Yeah, but garib se garib aadi. Are you kidding? Garib se yoga karega? Fuck, get a life, man. What a dumb thing to say. But why? Yeah, as Salil said, jab chandi hoti hai, tab kuch bhi pay lo. Ap. लोग ताली बजा देते हैं क्यों सलील एब्सोल्युटली on okay. what made boris johnson what he has become basically how the oxford union debating culture and the culture of uh, education at oxford in the 1980s has created this breed of politicians we've all read classics 
and ended up becoming um, Brexit supporters and how they are basically, those who have studied Latin and classics who have become that and those who actually studied uh, PPE, which is the standing basic uh, degree for philosophy, politics and economics, right. which is what many have done to become prime ministers. Uh, uh, all those who did PPE were remainers and all those who did Lat Latin and classics were the ones who wanted to separate. And I think it's a Paradox. fantastic piece which helps us understand Britain today. Mm. Very interesting. I mean, since you bring up Boris Johnson, I read a piece about him in the Time magazine about what he was. He was a, he, like he's a son of a politician, a brat, privileged, yeah, badly behaved, got into shit in college. Just, just like what Trump sounds like, what George Bush sounds like. And I find it fascinating that the world over, the, it's the leaders who come from privilege who have convinced the what they call the Rust Belt or you know the the voters from the economically weaker sections to say we are on your side. Whereas yeah. the ones who actually are the ones who actually worked their way up are rejected. I find that fascinating. No, no, it is. And I have a piece today in, in Mint which also touches upon some of these issues. So, yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Salil. Hopefully, we yeah. shall see you Thanks sometime so soon. Yeah. Nice of you to join. Okay. All the best. Yeah. Thank bye -bye. you. Bye. So, I'll just share another email and then the rest of the panel who's here can finish the two or three other issues that are left. This email is from Arijit Sarkar. He says, Hi, Abhinandan, long-time subscriber and supporter. Writing to you regarding the rant about the game versus sport and on the men's versus women's sport that we discussed last week. As has been pointed out by another letter to you in Hafta 228, your rant served little purpose as it wasn't really germane to any of the issues being discussed. That, however, is not why I'm writing. During the course of the segment, there were a couple of points that I felt were plain wrong. When discussing game versus sport, you mentioned that a game like golf requires little hand-eye coordination. I don't think that contention is demonstrable. I think that contention demonstrably falls. If you watch golf for even five minutes, you'll notice it requires a lot of hand-eye code. Actually, no, uh, Arijit, what I said was that it requires little other than hand-eye coordination. Of course, it requires. I've played golf. I, But I'm saying that's all. It does require athleticism, stamina, or a strength. It just requires that hand-eye, just like Karam does, like you have said. So maybe I didn't communicate what I was saying, but, but my point is that is all it requires and nothing else. Then he goes on to say you cannot judge a sport based on whether playing it at top level requires one to be blessed with a six-pack or zero body fat. By this logic, even baseball is not a sport but a game. I completely agree. I've had that position ever since I've had the position on cricket. Anyway, Maradona was the best in the world while actually being fairly rotund. Uh, dude, I don't think so. Maradona could run uh, 100 meters in just about 12 seconds. He may look round, but he was very muscular and he was not at all unfit. And I could disqualify basketball by characterizing it as a game played abnormally to all people. Well, not true. MVP this year, last year, uh, so not last year, but year before last, were just about six feet tall. And that's not abnormally at all. Anyway, so he goes on to say why he thinks I'm talking nonsense and cricket. and But not that he likes cricket. Uh, not that he likes golf. He says, as I say this as a person who has zero respect for golf. Then he goes on to say there was a discussion on the financial backing given to women's sport versus men's sport. One cannot deny that sexism exists, but to pretend that in any given sport, women's discipline is just as good as a men's discipline is just plain blind. There is a huge gulf in class in sport like football, tennis and cricket. Three sports I watch extensively. The example of tennis is instructive in this debate. John McEnroe got in hot water a couple of years back saying that Serena Williams would not be able to beat a man ranked 700th in the world. I think that's an exaggeration. But Serena herself has gone on record saying she stands no chance against the top men. My own bet is that her prime, in her prime, she couldn't beat a top 100 guy over five sets. Keep in mind, Serena is an absolute outlier. There is no one in the women's game even 100th as good as her. Why then should we expect financial parity in terms of prize money at least? Why should we expect more fans to be interested in women's tennis than men's tennis, which for the last 10 years has featured three players who will end up being... So basically you've fared a very you know, long bit about that there is 
an obvious reason that women receive less as far as pay is concerned so just a couple of things i want to correct uh, you first of all thanks for your email arijit and thanks for your support i think there's a difference in saying that the woman would beat the man and saying that the quality of the game is as good so when you watch a women's tennis game and the quality of tennis you watch is as good as the quality of the men's tennis you watch sure if a man played woman he'd probably win but from the viewer's perspective and in fact my recommendation at the end of this podcast will show you that in the past we have had women's grand slams that have garnered more viewership than men's grand slams so by that logic and eyeballs is the sole metric by which ratings are covered women should actually have got paid more and that is true for a couple of sports and you should listen to that podcast so you having taken for granted here that in all cases the men's sport gets more eyeballs at least in the case of tennis that is false um yeah so uh, can i just add that in um, there's a film now called battle of the sexes mm. uh, 2017 it was made mm. it it's based on a real life event Uh, which happened in 1973 is it billy jean king to confirm that it was between billy jean king ah, and bobby riggs i've heard of it i haven't really watched it he challenged her to mm. um, a match okay so you can you can watch that so no uh, i think uh, monica seles was one of, in 90s mm. so it was said that she could beat one of the t- men's players uh, before she was stabbed uh, yeah she was stabbed right on court fans. but it, but that may be an anyway i am coming to that uh, to few things about the cricket thing mm. i think uh, cricket is uh, and by the way billie jean won that in mm. three sets mm cricket is as much a sport or a game as anyone as, as any other as any other it's a very special category of game or sport whatever you say because you say it doesn't fall into any other yes, other buckets it's yes unique. yes because uh, one thing is that uh, the analogy with uh, golf and uh, b- baseball is uh, misguided mm. in the sense that cricket uh, has a first uh, the athleticism as one of the hmm, mm. it has atle- demands athleticism of a different kind like say uh, fielding athleticism of a different kind bowling athleticism and very high degree of concentration mm. and concentration to avoid your life or uh, avoid dangers to your life if somebody is bowling at to say 140 plus mm. your your life is a danger that does not happen in other sports so people have been killed on cricket field sure that does not happen lamba there was a lamba cricket lamba right? and yeah. uh, that australian who was killed um, australian phil hughes phil hughes mm. uh, he was an australian batsman he was mm. killed so that is also it uh, athleticism or long hours of play uh, in bowling as well as running fielding and cricket has changed over its athletic demands from cricket has changed over the last two decades and right. uh, that, that that's why also it's a, as i think mr guha says mm. that it's the most civilized sport means mm. in the fly because it has technicalities of an advanced civilization Uh, so like uh, other sports uh, are in the rudimentary phase and they are say 90 minutes sports mm. so it for for a five so the technicalities make it a very advanced a very civilized game so or a sport whatever so what i'm saying that it's a separate category game or a sport or something right thanks i now i just want to talk about this one case of i'll just give you the context this is the son of bjp's kailash vijay vargia 
ही इज एन एम एल एज नेम इज वट्स द बॉयज नेम आकाश विजय वर्गिया इज अ फर्स्ट टाइम बीजेपी एम एल ए एंड ऑफकोर्स मिस्टर कैलाश विजय वर्गिया मेनी ऑफ यूर फेमिलियर विद हिम ही हैज अपियर्ड ऑन ऑन मेनी बीजेपी इवेंट्स एंड पैनल्स ही वॉज सीन बीटिंग म्यूनिसपल ऑफिसर विद अ बैट ड्यूरिंग अ ड्राइव इन इंदौर अ डेमोलेशन ड्राइव and then he and his supporters started roughing him up he was of course later denied bail and he was boasting also ki hum dhanadhan ha in fact i was coming to that now after that whole thing when then a news 247 i think what whichever channel that is was on news a 24. phone uh, phone conversation with his father and he said your son did this he says आप जज हैं क्या आपकी क्या हैसियत है ही टोल्ड द एंकर दिस हां आपकी हैसियत क्या आपकी हैसियत क्या है लेन बैंक द फोन ऑन हिम दैट लैंग्वेज that people in power use that you're not allowed to question us no i i just want to hear vote chahiye to haath jod ke khade hote mention one thing that the fear of the journalists when this boy after he did this when he was being he had like 40 mics around him not 40 about 20 mics around him and this how they were asking him aap ye kaise kar sakte hain wo jante hain ye karte hain wo karte hain aise karte hain acha lekin kya ye sahi tarika hai karne ka aapko aisa to nahi karna chahiye hamara ye pehle nivedan phir prevedan phir danadan what the fuck he said now I was just thinking, this guy has just hit someone in the bat, and you are asking him questions. हम तो ऐसे गधे हैं, हम तो बिचारे हैं, हम ऐसे ही पूछेंगे. That Manishankar Iyer, that old slightly not sane man, was yeah, walking, and you are shoving him. You are doing this, you are doing that. He's not done anything, right? It just demonstrates the people who make for news media, on-ground reporters, the overwhelming majority of the people of our community are losers, yeah. they're losers of a level no but the guy on television who was questioning the father he was quite sensible he was yeah no, the, i didn't the, find his his response also was main ek nagrik hu main nagrik you should say i'm a bloody journalist this is my show and no, i have a right said, to ask you a question he said i'm a citizen of india i can ask you any yeah, question yeah but she's right she no, said i'm a journalist it's my job to yeah? no but you my thing that is can... that when you were there and you had mics around this guy this guy didn't have to shove anyone back huh no one shoved the mic into his face it they kept a respectable distance but look at the disease of 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 and the feeling such, such of power chattu, that chattu. you can do anything you like exactly and and, and uh, this disease is going to afflict this party that has been criticizing the congress forever f- very quickly but outside the police station one boy doused himself with kerosene saying if the police doesn't shoot this akash bhaiya ko nahi chhodo main apne aap ko aag laga dunga you saw that and then the guy holding him and laughing pata matches watches to koi pata thi ki nahi but aur wahan police was looking apologetic Like, dude, really? Yeah, I, I mean, police. Ka to you know what I think of them, but journalists should at least not be so scared. Yeah, he's a bloody little runt of a bloody MLA, uh, MLA, some guy's son, and look how scared they were of him. Yeah. No, but look at the reality. They're not in a city as a high-profile journalist. This is a local journalist who lives in the fear that tomorrow, mereko ka kitne longo andar kar diye. How many journalists in small towns and Chhattisgarh and all these places where they've shoved them in? You, they live with that fear far more real than ours. Well, one of the mics was A N I. Swetha Prakash is very brave about how dare my journalist here be touched, how dare my journalist there be touched. Surely no, she can make. No, and even the a- questioning, I think it should be. Exactly. If it, this was Congress, they would have gone nuts. So anyway, he has a reputation, apparently. Anand, oh, sorry, you were saying something. Same things uh, that uh, the local journalist who have to live there, they will respond differently to it because they have to live there. And uh, second is this is uh, this kind of uh, you see power. I had sent a video where a journalist was just saying that sir, up thora idhar se aa jaiye, ga idhar aaye. तो आनंद सिंह सेड दैट इधर से मतलब ही रिएक्टेड इन अ वे दैट हाउ कुड यू 
tell to me that Which I, I, I can uh, I should shift here. Mm. So and he was in his uh, say pocket borrow, and, uh, so he, he he couldn't say anything. So that fear is there. Yes. So a uh, nuisance value, nuisance value of elected representatives. Mm. They I to get away with. I think, but journalists, TV journalists will generally have no occasion left in the next three years, and even. the people who are chatting the you know the ruling the governing party i mean even these people are treated as just i mean modi Shichya. despite everything they do for modi amit shah and you know even bjp minister you saw piyush goel lashed out at yeah. rahul kamal they don't have respect for no, journalists this, and journalists deserve it also a lot of them there's the same thing i've on hafta i've said a lot of you know journalist acquaintances i won't call them friends i know used to boast about oh i know xyz oh this one had sent a bouquet for my wedding you know they showed that they're so close to industrialists and because you know through some common friends those industrialists and their children and you know how they speak about these journalists i'm like dude do you have any idea how they talk about you i don't think they think that just because we know them it's something to be proud of and we'll hum unko salam thokenge to loyalty hai mm. as raj kamal yeah. jha this would be something that you would be ashamed of having contacts with exactly. a politician and mm. I, i mean i i know when lk advani was deputy prime minister and he sent a bouquet to one who had got married he kept that bouquet for so long advani ji ne bheja tha ye and advani ji ne bheja tha ye but later when he wanted advani ji interview advani ji showed him the poke figuratively speaking not not literally because advani ji can't possibly flip anyone the birdie because he is too busy rubbing his hands together and doing like this don't make fun of an old like man that? stop it that is like that. really bad taste abhinandan matlab it's not his he always spoke like but this when he was young but that's a very bad taste but he spoke like that when he was young also objection no. sir <laughs> okay manisha and madhav ganged up against me <laughs> okay now i just like to end with this one issue when not one issue if we can just discuss it briefly mayawati saying bye bye to babua Amazing. Huh? No. अतुल ने कुछ आपको कुछ अंदर की खबर बताई अतुल इधर आके ज्ञान Just an hour before we had discussed that it's at length. Acha, so at length. I would so that would be rewind of that so from okay, my okay, side. Okay, okay, okay. So give me a think brief. of something else. Mitchell, it's a different audience. Do a Shekhar Gupta and flip your conversation. Mitchell, tell me. It's a different audience. You go and rewind. Play. Mitchell, tell me. Tell me, man. Anand. No, two three uh, points that uh, Dalit leadership in UP is going through a transition phase. Mayawati is aware of uh, the ground beneath her feet, which is shifting. She uh, got ten or twelve seats, but uh, she is not very confident about her Dalit electorate. The uh, plus uh, the coordination between the cadres of BSP and SP was absent. so that is a worrying point for both but uh, mayawati is more uh, nervous about that and uh, third is that uh, akhilesh uh, for akhilesh the worry is that he has lost control over his cadre and f- uh, though, though the factional is the faction within sp the, which emerged out of the family feud was not strong enough to win on its own but it was strong enough to damage it 
like the Sipal faction. Now, with all these uh, liabilities on SP side, it's not an attractive proposition for Mayabati now. So uh, even uh, and for from SP point of view, if it wants to build a broader social coalition in UP against BJP, it should be looking for uh, the non-Mayavati Dalit vote bank or larger coalition because the non-Mayavati Dalit support is also huge and it can build a larger coalition there. So Mayavati is not uh, what you say that indispensable to a larger social coalition in UP. I think one thing at least to me the entire and this is like a mixed kind of bag it's mixed blessing as the numbers showed this election the uh, more backward communities are not necessarily voting along caste lines anymore as rigidly as they used to the higher the higher caste still are you don't see so much of spillover osmosis from you know Brahmin or Thakur voters voting for BSP or anything that is also but Means the but mobility within the lower caste groups has, has become also, they, they can't take them as grant exactly grant earlier union. like Mayavati's base was like the BJP base yeah that base is not going to you the swing vote you are the base is not going to desert you it is clear that the base will also desert her I think it's a, a BSP and AIADMK I'd be surprised if they survive another two decades because their leadership was just this one person you know, it's not cadre-based like of the level like the RSS or the BJP is, and another legacy like uh, Congress does. So I'd be surprised if BSP survives yeah, another few years. But SP might survive two decades because they have a second generation, and they have a generation as well of leaders. Also, they have a cadre. SP has a cadre, ground cadre. Okay, they do. BSP does not has, but not of that. Also, one development that we missed is that she has given top party posts to her brother and nephew. Nephew. Yes. So much of bhai bhati jawad that she used to criticize. So, so I just thought, yeah, that was that must have made Akhilesh feel rather silly. So, before I wind up, is there anything else? There were many, the Gurmeet Ram Rahim Singh happened last week. Anyone else who wants to talk about anything? Before I ask you the question that must be asked. Should Abhinandan's moustache be made the national moustache? I saw it was a headline. I was like, dude, I'm that popular. Like, my moustache is that big a deal? It was in just, parliament. It was just struck me what you're talking about. <laughs> Then why do you tell the people? Because many of the people listening may not... Abhinandan Vartamanyu. So, Adhir Ranjan Chaudhary, while talking in the Lok Sabha, said, Wing Commander Abhinandan Vartaman should be awarded and his moustache be made national moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Only in India. I love it. It's great. So, what does it... Everyone have to have that, including Mr. Modi. Can you imagine Modi with that? I think he'll look very cool. I think it'll suit him. Mm. Mm, don't know. I don't know how Rahul would Whatever. look. Whatever. Let's give our recommendations. <laughs> Rahul would look comical. Okay. Before we give the recommendation, Madhu, two quick emails and then we can wind up because on one of these, I just want your views uh, because this person wants your views also. This one is from Dheeraj, Nana, Naniji and Nikku. Anjana Om Kashyap is 44 years old and hence not a millennial. Yeah. A millennial by definition is someone who turned 18 after 2000 was born after 1980. Okay, People we all. Up to 37 are she's 44. So we stand corrected. So what is she? Gen Madhu. X. She's Gen X. She's Gen X. So yeah. So she belongs. 37. 37. Well, actually, can I answer that briefly? Huh. Uh, it's not actually the technical age of a person. It's really the attitude. Hmm. And so I'm talking about the millennial attitude. So it doesn't matter how old she is. A 70-year-old could have a millennial attitude if they're as self centered and as 
narcissistic as, as millennials are. and as entitled as Anjana Om Kesha behaves. So it is a culture. I'm not talking about the actual age. I then think you're unfairly targeting millennials. This, yeah, I know. It's a Gen X attitude. No, it's not a Gen X. We no, are the worst. No, it's the Gen X. Look, it's the attitude. It's the attitude. You can label X, it whichever no? way you like. <laughs> okay, I don't want to generalize, but definitely it's the attitude which is a problem. Okay. I don't care which generation it belongs so to. So then, rant two, Indians can't play sport because genetic makeup, blah, 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 don't have speed, blah, blah, blah. Oh, bhaiya, do you know that Nisar Ahmad, the poor Delhi boy who was selected and trained with Usain Bolt last year, Duti Chan, to pata hai. Nashash, listen to this podcast. Then he has recommended The Seen and Unseen. It's about building sports ecosystems. And Nisar and Duti, he said, get them to media rumble. By the way, the blah, 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 I'm not saying, he has written B-L-A-H, so I'm not being disrespectful for anyone who thinks that I'm just yeah. saying blah, blah. It says, that's the, it says Indians can't play sport because genetic makeup, blah, blah, blah. They don't have speed, blah, blah, blah. He was disrespectful to him. That was his version. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then he says, the attitude ki is desh ka kuch nahi ho sakta is the exact reason why we have failed, why India has failed so much. Now, if Gen X and Y move away, millennials like me, Manisha, Cherry and others can do something about it. Yeah. Oh, by Yo, the way, I the most ya. popular shows on Hell <laughs> hosted by millennials. <laughs> so, rant over by Dheeraj. Okay, Dheeraj. Thank you for your rant. Now, this mail is a really, really nice mail. And I think um, maybe we should put it up on the website. This is from Rinzing Nugodup. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Hello, News Laundry team. I've been a subscriber of News Laundry for the past two years. This is the first time I'm writing a letter to you and I will make it short. I am Tibetan Indian who has been living in Canada for the past seven years. I want to talk about the image of a father and a daughter drowned in the river on the US-Mexico border. Ooh. When I saw the image, first thing that came to my mind was it could have been me or my parents who were born in the Tibetan border. I think that the world is not as compassionate as it used to be. My parents and thousands of Tibetans were wel welcomed in India in the 60s. And likewise, if you see the world during those years, countries like US and other developed countries provided homes to thousands of asylum seekers. What has the world become? Do you think our policies on migration are dictated by fear? I love to hear from panelists, especially Madhu, who I'm sure has some anecdotes to give on this. I love listening to your podcasts. It may sound crazy, but I often get a dream where I win a lottery of a million dollars and I see myself contribute 100% to fund NL Sena. Oh. The irony is that I've never bought a lottery ticket <laughs> in my life. Thank you everyone for entertaining and the knowledge. I'm a big fan of Anand Vardhan. Thank you, Rigzin. Uh, Rinzin, sorry. Appreciate it. Very sweet. I was very touched by your letter. Well, if you win the lottery, you can just give us one-tenth of it, not 100%. <laughs> and yeah, we'll try to do more ground reports. But yeah, Madhu, was the world more compassionate? I mean, no, today, I if think as actually, many Tibetans came to India, you think we'd take them? No, on? actually, it ties in, this discussion ties in very closely to the lynch mob mentality also. I think definitely a most important factor in life in our living in our day-to-day -day functioning is an intangible and that intangible is the mahal and definitely each era is categorized by a certain kind of mahal such as in freedom fighting india okay there was a mahal there was a piety there was a sanctimoniousness almost Akrosh. yeah there was this passion and everybody gloried in simplicity every family there was a so every family had one or two people uh, in the freedom struggle uh, men and women so it was a different mahal and then came the Indira Gandhi's period of literally suppressing all kinds of free enterprise uh, government raj and all that and that created an aura of fear disgruntlement and a feeling of being losers we felt like losers as Indians we really did 
and always felt vulnerable. Vulnerable in terms from, from the government, from other communities. I must admit that Hindus felt very vulnerable at that time. Hmm. Okay. Then came the next era of the 90s with the liberalization, which came along with Advani's Rathyatra. So that changed the Mahal completely. With the liberalization, the Mahal changed. There was foreign good was not such a big thing. I mean, you you can't imagine the language in the 70s was ye foreign se hai, ye foreign mm. se hai. Mujhe foreign good both lagte. That was the language. Then all that disappeared because you could get anything you wanted in India, and free enterprise flourished as well as uh, lots of other things. You know, media, this that, everything broke, changed, and it became the greed era. All right, we lost the. Uh, and which is inevitable when, when yeah, we lost the altruistic happened. culture that India had before that, and that was such an important element where you it was expected that you had to do something for other people. In the 90s, you no longer had to do anything for anybody. You just had to get ahead and kick anyone who came in your way, and that was the mahal. And today, I think the mahal of this uh, the other every man for himself, the division of the other is again worldwide hmm. and all of these all of these eras are in fact reflected also in other parts of the world when we were going through it but not to the extreme level with the liberalization and the freedom fighting and of course all that was separate and different for us but definitely in today's mahal the selfishness the other all that the intangible is the national character is being created by the mahal and the leaders. And until our leaders speak up more about just as um, Narendra Modi did about toilets, which was never spoken about, unless he sp speaks up more about sanitation, health issues, actually caring for each other and doing stuff for the country. What are you doing for your country? What are you contributing? Unless he creates that mahal, we re I really do think we're in big, big trouble because this me, myself and I is not going to work in the long run in terms of creating a great society, a great Indian society. We need that. We need that to survive. Anand, Otherwise, we're all killing each other. Your take on this ha is, have was the world more compassionate in the 60s and 70s? Would those many refugees be taken anywhere in the world like they were then? I'll give you a small example. In the 60s and 70s, there was no such thing as road rage. If two people banged into each other, they'd get out and argue. Hmm. They'd argue, Tumne dekha nahi, main kaise, main kaise kar This, now that you, you see how, you see it on the roads, you see it in buses, you see it in the metros, people pushing each other. It's, it's every man for himself. Hmm. What is your take? Whether they were compassionate or not is a, uh, is a relative thing, but uh, um, there is a degree of relativity to it, uh, so it can, had an element of subjective assessment also. But uh, uh, with the sole vantage point of uh, taking refugees or not, now that is the limited context of it. So um, I think with uh, more pressure on resources and uh, also the diplomatic engagement of with uh, the world has uh, gone into a lot of uh, state as well as non-state actors uh, in the uh, means uh, interaction mm. so 
डिसीजन वुड नॉट बी एज सिंपल एज वॉट वॉज थर्टी फोर्टी ईयर्स बैक बिकॉज एंड द होल मैट्रिक्स ऑफ डिप्लोमेटिक इंगेजमेंट हैज चेंज इन मेनी स्टेट एज वेल एंड नॉन स्टेट एक्टर्स टू डील विथ द नेशनल प्रेशर ऑन द रिसोर्सेज is more hmm. uh, so i think in that sense the situation or the approach to refugees has changed a lot yes manisha can i point out one thing that you know in the 70s when uh, it was a thing to do like people like aruna roy uh, meera patkar mankar roy this baba amte all these people who were doing work and i'm not saying there aren't people doing work like that hmm. now but the kind of numbers and the scale they achieved and the scale that that people were leaving uh, well paying jobs with american companies and and go and uh, like aruna did left her uh, civil servant job that is not considered an ideal anymore it's not considered a goal anymore there are few pockets yes there are many people who are doing great work there are doctors in pune who are doing extremely great uh, extremely good uh, charitable work and philanthropy and i know in many places they are doing mm. it it's not like that but the norm is very minuscule in the sense that it's an individual act manisha i'm generally very against nostalgia i don't like romanticizing the past or thinking oh we were great people back then i mean partition was terrible right there were terrible crimes between hindus muslims trains burned like villages of villages massacred so i don't know we were compassionate or better people hmm. i do think only in terms of resources i do think we the rampant sort of disregard for nature and resources that is maybe exclusive to our times but in terms of human interactions compassion niceness i think we were pretty ugly earlier also no manisha you're confusing two things one is that there is something like the partition and say the 84 riots or godra these are things that happened historically but what the mahol was amongst people They're, living at that time there specific big time events yes. but the regular equilibrium was what re- regular equilibrium was extremely different and so, me growing up in a post extreme just post colonial india just received freedom um independence the i have to tell you the when i was a child growing up in the mahal of people who actually want they were so enthused by wanting to change india to do things differently there was mm. this guy sk day who used to be the president of um, ge in india and he left that job and went into the villages and he was the one into community development and he was the one who created panchayat raj all right he created and then nehru made him the first minister of community development and panchayati raj so these are people that it was common place for people to grow up with people who then became politicians because of their work because of the good in terms of leadership doing. definitely yeah, india had so there was a different independent leaders there was an i'm talking about an atmosphere of growing up with people instead of talking about the amount of money they're making or the next car they're buying or you know the biggest tv available the the discussions the mahal everything was so different and i'm not saying that we were more compassionate people i'm just saying the mahal was different because of having just gotten independence feeling that this is now our country let's see what we can do of course that changed when indira gandhi sort of became the despot but i think um rinzen thank you so much for your wonderful mail i i even i when i saw that photographs it just shook me it's just such a sad picture to see a father trying to and because she stuck into his t-shirt 
So I can her in his t-shirt only imagine that either because so he makes sure that she doesn't slip away yeah. or to oh. protect. But I thought it was heartbreaking. I do think, I mean, um, I'm a little on, you know, Madhu's point of view here. I think there is a certain, I mean, so many people from Tibet, if they were to come today, I'm quite certain our country would reject them. You think so? Yeah. I think we'd be fine. No, not in those quantities. Because of Buddhists. No, because they're Buddhists. no, no they, they no, might be called chinks. They might be called, your, you know. Your, I think there's Your more... in my town, Manisha, that entire, on the other side of uh, parade ground, hmm. where the entire Tibetan colony used to be, if suddenly today 10,000 people came and set up camp there, there'd be riots in there, I can tell you. And hmm. I think, uh, and there is something to be said of the prevailing value. For example... Many friends and people, journalists who you and I know, say Amit Shah, in fact, the man who claims to have the largest viewership in our country on television, says, why is people whining so much Amit Shah has become home minister? It's a good thing. He can get stuff done. I know people, they say, we are not talking about good or bad. He can win an election. That's all that matters. That is the value today. As long as you can win an election, whether you've been accused of murder, you've been accused of encountering, it doesn't matter what you've been accused of. Can you win it? I have had people tell me the man I... Respect most in Congress parties, Kamal Nath. Although they are hardcore BJP supporters. Because that man, he may be good, bad, ugly, corrupt, but he can make things happen. That is a value today, like Madhu said. It doesn't matter how you get shit done, as long as you can get it done. And that is a prevailing value, I think. That's one thing. And the second thing is, I think this is something that is a cliche that has been used in a lot of plays, including Patrick Marber's uh, Closer, where Alice the Stripper says that she likes stripping in the dives and not in the classy places because the poor are more generous. Because when you have less to share, you tend to share it. If you have more to share, you tend not to share it. And that is typically one of these, you know, cliches that has been used. I think even in um, uh, Higgins says that. So I think in a society when that happens, yeah, what will you do? You will save 100 bucks. What is there's nothing to buy. There was only ambassador in fiat. But now there's so many things to buy. So you have something to save for. In the 60s, there was nothing to save for. So I think that's also there. No, in the times where I remember visiting from New York in the 70s, there was no bread. Yeah. Then there'd be no milk. There'd be no eggs. Something was always missing. And then you were always plotting on how to get it. It was like being on rations but in But this war. lament is like every generation. Yeah? Like, there's this famous 50s song, Wo Kitna Badal Gaya Insan, where he's just mm. lamenting about, Dekho, tumara, No, you're misunderstanding. I'm not lamenting. Bombay, there's a big difference. Know, I'm not lamenting. Mm. Lamenting is like, oh my God, you know, why aren't we like that? I'm not saying that why aren't we like that. I'm saying that this is how it is. This mm-hmm. is the reality because change. I've lived no through it and 70 decades of seeing the changes and it's very simple that you see the changes. Simple That's thing, all. Yeah. It's a comment on the change. When we it doesn't, I'm part of it. And when we I'm were part kids. of the, this generation in the sense that I'm living in it. I can't deny it. I'm not living an idealistic life. I'm not out in the villages working for the poor. So I'm part of it. Not I'm not like, judging people. Who, I'm saying that this is the mahal. Even it's in a comment. Delhi and Dehradun, I mean, I don't think you had to be a brave parent. I mean, when I was eight, to go and t- tell me to go get milk from the mother dairy booths when they had just come. You know, those tokens, they had just come in the 80s. It was a new thing. I would walk to the market and get it. Today, you have to be a very brave or a mad parent to tell your child to walk half a kilometer to the neighborhood market and to get milk an eight-year-old child. I don't let my really 13-year-old niece out of the colony. Yeah? So, of course, it's changed. You can't say it's the same. It's not the same. I mean, my, you know, our parents would trust us with, you know, help and... and anyway, on that note, I would what like... What has not changed is a very simple name, name thing. 
is that when you are a student and you your parents call you at 5 and you are studying they are very very happy they are they are very happy but when they uh, call you and when you are a working man they call you at 10 and you are uh, working they say ki aisa kaun sa kaam kiya hai jo abhi tak kaam kar raha hai so hard work is justified in middle class india till it is a passport to a better life but the work itself does not need hard work so nice the, so <laughs> that means, great observation yes yes means uh, if you if you are working very hard at your work your parents would be very disappointed because something that is making you toil has to be a very bad job so <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, if you are studying hard even at 5 they are very happy yes that, <laughs> that this is my father used to ask me when i was running news track से तू करती क्या इतना बिजी रहती है ऑन दैट नोट लेट्स गेट द रेस्ट योर रिकमेंडेशंस मनीषा लेट्स स्टार्ट विद यू सो वन पीस इन द बीबीसी फाइव मर्डर्स सिक्स मेन एंड 16 इयर्स ऑफ स्टोलन लाइफ द सुप्रीम कोर्ट ओवरटर्न्ड इट्स वर्डिक्ट इट्स क्लियर्ड सिक्स मेन ऑफ मर्डर Lucy and you see there's a made a, a, a documentary on that this is the indian one she's on huh? the this is the this is an indian one this is an indian case indian case oh yeah, wow yeah, yeah, yeah. okay in uh, so it's a really nice profile <laughs> there was an indian express uh, sunday cover on manuranjan byapari who's a bengali writer and he's dalit and he writes on uh, being dalit and his experience as a dalit and I, the first time he wrote he bought pen after donating his blood for 20 rupees so it's very interesting profile and towards the end he actually raises some issues on the creamy layer and he talks about how uh, i mean something like this if you'd say there'd be a lot of uh, criticism especially if you're upper caste but he's dalit and he actually talks about how our the biggest markers as class and money and how rickshaw pullers and will just continue to be a rickshaw puller or help in a brahmin's house and a thakur's house and then in dalit's house and nothing changes for him so i think that's quite okay. interesting he brought that up i'd also like to recommend uh, two reports by ayush tiwari from muzaffarpur especially the latest one that he's filed uh, which is where he's profiled two hospitals a government hospital and a private hospital i think all of you who are interested in public health care or health care in india those of you who are interested in health care in india or uh, you know just understanding what exactly the syndrome and the crisis that's hit the doctors that's a fabulous read and it really details a lot of the things that's happening there madhu Uh, yeah i've spent the last couple of uh, two days reading uh, bottle of lies by catherine eban uh, about the ranbaxy drug farm and other pharmaceutical companies in india including uh, this cipla dr reddy that's a doctor uh mylan and others hmm. uh, wakart what i've been appalled with is that Uh, this man who is the whistleblower dinesh thakur has tried every which way to make headway in the indian system to ensure that we do not get adulterated drugs and he's been thwarted at every step including by the supreme court who rejected his appeal to file the case to regulate drugs in in india and this he the supreme court said you're not an indian citizen so why should you come and meddle in indian affairs and the whole attitude has been to block this kind of proper drug controlling meanwhile we are getting uh, adulterated drugs some with pieces of glass in it some with poison in it ineffective drugs for life saving diseases 
uh, for, for you know uh, fatal diseases uh, life saving drugs and this is continuing to happen this man this whistleblower has been thwarted by the big pharma companies in every way and this book uh, i'm amazed that although the ranbaxy group has been in the courts and has been under investigation for their financial misdoings nobody has actually focused on the the drug frauds that they perpetrated and the other companies who are continuing to do so and we're all at risk and doctors giving those medicines are at risk giving it because you think that your patient is going to get better and you wonder why it's not happening until you switch the brand scary anand a set of research papers in patna based asian development research institute adri on encephalitis so they had published it in 2018 and uh, almost 90 95% of what reports are saying now they had predicted it in some ways or not uh, so and uh, their uh, general social analysis as well as uh, medical analysis of the problem was uh, uh, i mean it they was uh, well anticipated by them so that so i have two recommendations this week one is of uh, planet money uh, this is basically just what we discussed last week two days after that i saw planet money did a podcast on this it is on the indicator women soccer sues for equal pay it uh, gives the case of the women soccer team is suing the football administrative body there for equal pay as the men's team and uh, it talks about a lot of the issues that i had spoken about last time and it puts a lot of it into perspective as well and this is where i learned that actually some of the women grand slams had a higher viewership than the men's grand slams so they should have been getting more anyway and the second thing is it makes me cringe a little bit but i guess you might as well watch it it is a documentary i made in 2002 called temples of water it's been finally uploaded on youtube 2 3 years ago and it has 190 views uh, <laughs> but but this rocket film is does it feature you also do you come in like subhash gai in the middle this is not hero <laughs> it's 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 <laughs> a makers love doing film. that no but why i want you to watch it is because it was done at a time when water was my primary concern i was obsessed with water that's how i got involved with whole activism because i was opposing the water privatization that sheila dikshit was doing in delhi that's how i got involved with all the people who were rt activists here and i had gone to rajasthan to shoot this film but the one thing that while i cringe at some of the things that you know how we've made it is what some people managed to do in rajasthan with water harvesting alwar was it had no greenery rajender singh completely turned it around and today you go there are trees and grass growing as high as jaisalmer the entire ecosystem of rajasthan has become ulta so water harvesting is something that really makes major impact and i think just to see that just watch this documentary film and uh, like i said i wouldn't make it like this today so don't laugh too much at me before we wind up would like to remind you about the media rumble we have speakers coming from around the world journalists people who would like to interact with and talk to you can also come and get manisha's autograph second oh and boy. third of august <laughs> at habitat center go to the media rumble.com and pick up your tickets for subscribers it's free because we love you a little more On that note, thank you, panel. Join us next week again. Send in your criticism or critique to contact at newslaundry dot com. I repeat, contact at newslaundry dot com. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you for your subscription. For those of you who have subscribed, 
those of you who haven't remember when the public pays the public is served when advertisers pay advertisers served support pay to keep news free subscribe to news laundry i will leave you with this song aimed at all those who love lord ram more than they love humanity this is his message to you देखो ओ दीवानों तुम ये काम ना करो राम का नाम बदनाम ना करो बदनाम ना करो All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.